Welcome to the Richard Brooks Show. I help you build a business that matters. Network marketing isn't easy. Success at any level requires self-motivation, persistence, enthusiasm, networking, promotion, courage, and work. Hey everybody, Richard Bliss Brook here. Got a little podcast rant for you titled, Is the Federal Trade Commission the End of MLM? <laughs> and I know some people think the regulatory environment uh, of 2020, along with everything else that's happening in 2020, is going to be the demise of our profession. And I want to give you a little history and perspective on the demise of our profession. So the FTC has been around for a long time. Tina, Truth and Advertising has been around for a long time and network marketing has been around for a long time. And if you look at the history over the last 70 years of network marketing, what you see is consistent growth. Consistent growth in the number of companies that choose this business model, consistent growth in our overall global sales and US sales consistent growth in the number of people that choose to participate in this model. And all the while, regulatory environment is there, TINA is there, the Federal Trade Commission is there, the FDA is there, the SPCA is there, the EPA is there. Everybody's watching over what we do. And so we think perhaps that 2020 is the most stringent regulatory environment that's ever happened in network marketing, but I'm here to tell you, with some history that that's not the case. It may seem like the case, but it's not the case. In fact, from my perspective, doing this for 44 years now full-time, the regulatory environment for network marketing is actually more lenient and more tolerant today than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and especially 40 years ago. Now, in a particular year, it may seem like the regulatory environment is being unreasonable. And perhaps in a particular year, it may be unreasonable. But when you look at the overall span of the history of our profession, the regulatory environment today is much more fair, much more accurate, much less capricious than it was 40 years ago. 40 years ago, folks, the regulatory environment would shut companies down just because of who was involved. Didn't have to have any laws being broken. They would just shut companies down because they didn't like them. And that got better 30 years ago and that kind of went away maybe 35, 25, 30 years ago. And it's not even the case today. The case today is companies get shut down or threatened to shut down when they demonstrate a culture a systemic culture of fraud. The Federal Trade Commission, for example, is, has a mandate. It has a government mandate, and its mandate is to protect consumers from fraud. And of course, the FTC has its own interpretation of what fraud is, and it might be a little bit different than ours. So, for example, here's the challenge that we have. We have our truth, which we're deeply convicted in. The FTC and other regulatory bodies have their truth. And unfortunately, the media mirrors the regulatory body's truth. And then you have the actual truth. 
right? There's always three sides to a story. And of course we have our side, which is network marketing is the most amazing profession on the planet and everyone should do it and it's changed my life and it's so wonderful and all of that. And then of course we have our particular product, which has changed our life and it's a modern miracle and everyone should take it and it cures everything, right? That's our truth and hey, might be our experience, it's our opinion, it's our truth. And of course, then we wonder why we can't tell our truth. And then there's the Federal Trade Commission and the FDA and the SEC and TINA and all the other three letter, four letter uh, regulatory bodies in the profession, they have their truth. And what's their truth? Well, their truth is nobody should do network marketing. Their truth is network marketing shouldn't even be a business model at all. In fact, what everybody involved in direct selling should do is just get more customers. Just get more customers, just get more customers, just get more customers. And when it comes to the income opportunity that might go along with getting more customers, well, we don't support you luring people into that income opportunity. That's a word that Tina and the FTC loves to use, is that we lure people into the income opportunity. You talk about using bias and fraudulent language, they do the same thing, right? Why? Because they're trying to sell their truth on the public. We sell our truth, they sell their truth. And their truth is, that there shouldn't be any recruiting, there shouldn't be any geometric growth of the sales force or exponential growth. There shouldn't be any four who get four who get four who get four. There should only be you go get four customers and then go get four customers and four more customers and four more customers. In other words, their truth is there's no such thing as network marketing. There's only direct selling and the only opportunity is for you to go get customers and get more customers. Of course, our truth is well, wait a minute. <laughs> Actually, the way we get the most number of customers is by recruiting people to become dynamic sales leaders, right? So every billion dollar company got that way because they offered an opportunity, a financial opportunity. Oh, I'm sorry for saying that word, financial opportunity for somebody to put forth the effort and the talent and the skill to go build a huge sales organization. And it's just part of what the FDC and other regulatory bodies refuse to accept and understand about our profession is the way we get the most number of customers is to recruit people into our financial opportunity. Now let's talk about opportunity for a second. The word opportunity. I don't know anybody in network marketing today, maybe 40 or 50 years ago, but not today. Nobody's running around recruiting people into their financial guarantee. Nobody's running around recruiting people with, hey, if you get four who get four who get four who get four and everybody does $100 a month, your salary from the network marketing company will be XYZ. No, all we ever talk about is opportunity. And what is the definition of opportunity? I don't know, look it up, right? It's not salary and it's not guaranteed. It's like the only reason some people succeed in an opportunity is because some people fail. And most people fail in an opportunity. It's by definition, most people fail, some people succeed. The reason there's an opportunity for some people to do really well is most people won't do what the some people do. 
Now that's all FTC's truth and our truth, and but there here's another truth, right? The third truth is, well, there's your side, there's my side, and then there's the truth. Well, here's a truth about network marketing that we all got to get our heads around and we have to accept and we have to be transparent about. And that is that if a hundred people raise their hand in any network marketing company and say, hey, I want to make some money doing this. I want to make a lot of money doing this. And then you track those hundred people over the next four years. How many of them are making a lot of money? What's the answer to that question? If you put a hundred people into any given network marketing company that want to make a lot of money, but what's a lot of money? Everybody has a different definition of that. You know, maybe it's two grand a month, maybe it's 20 grand a month. Who knows, right? But if you track a hundred people who want to make a lot of money and you track them over four years, how many of the hundred are making a lot of money? What's the answer to that? You and I need to know the answer to that because it's actually the truth. And it's one of the despicable negative truths about network marketing. How many people are making a lot of money out of a hundred? Uh, none would be the answer. Maybe one, maybe one. Now, one of the ways you could look at your own metrics is you could say, okay, well, how long have you been building your company? How many people have you personally enrolled? How many people have you personally enrolled that have been doing this for four or five years? And how many of them are making a lot of money? Whatever a lot of money might be. Now, it's maybe being mentored by you, if you're listening to me and you're a rock star in network marketing, maybe out of 100 people, you have three or four or five that are making two to 20 grand a month. But if you're the typical mentor and the typical sponsor in network marketing, you don't have all those powerful coaching and leadership skills, you might be doing well to have one making a lot of money. Now you're gonna have some making some money, right? But the reality is, the way you and I get the most number of customers is actually by offering people a financial opportunity, most of which people just pursue under the try mode, right? So this is the way almost everybody joins a network marketing company that's looking for money. I'm gonna try this for a while and see if it works. And sometimes they even try to recruit that way, right? They'll call their friends and neighbors and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing, what do you think? <laughs> and what do the friends and neighbors think? They think, uh, that's ridiculous, don't do that. And so that career's over in like two minutes. And so here's how we succeed, folks, in the era of FTC and everybody else's oversight, which in the year 2020 is, you know, a little bit more intense than maybe it was four or five years ago. Uh, but it's all cyclical, folks. It's going to pass. They're going to find other fish to fry, other people to pay attention to. Uh, and unfortunately, um, when the regulatory bodies aren't looking at us, we're the worst self-regulators on the planet in terms of our profession. We're like the banking industry and the mortgage industry uh, and the investment industry. When people aren't aggressively regulating the network marketing industry, we as a profession overpromise and underdeliver. Overpromise and underdeliver. And we've always done that historically. So I actually embrace and respect and support oversight. I embrace even the Federal Trade Commission, which I think their truth about network marketing is ridiculous, but 
overall, what do they do? They curb our enthusiasm. Tina curbs our enthusiasm. The FDA curbs our enthusiasm. And that's a good thing because left to our own devices, folks, we'll wreck the car. We'll just go crazy with our claims, with our promises. And why is that? Well, it's just because here's another truth. The people that are involved in network marketing are can-do people. We're can-do attitude people. We're the kind of people that if our daughter, you know, at the age of five or six or seven, says, uh, mommy and daddy, I want to be an Olympic figure skater or tennis player. I want to win a gold medal. I want to be the best in the world. We're of the character and personality that we're going to encourage them, right? We're going to say, honey, you can do whatever you want to do. Honey, you can do that. Like, hey, we'll hire you a coach, right? We'll invest money. But we're not the kind of people that perhaps end up in a career with the FTC or end up in a career with Tina or the FDA as, you know, career lawyers that don't really make lawyer money. Uh, where we're not going to say, uh, well, honey, that's nice, but do you know what the odds are of you actually becoming an Olympic business? Let's, let's Google the odds. What percentage of little girls who have the dream of being a figure skater actually become a gold medal Olympic figure skater? Well, the, the answer, honey, I'm sorry to sell you, tell you, the typical, typical, uh, figure skater dream happens for 0.000000001% of the population. You don't have a prayer. Forget about it. You, we're going to end up investing money as a family. We're going to invest time. We're going to end up losing all of that money. And our life's going to be ruined because you have this dream of being a figure skater. We're not those kind of parents. And I'm, not, I'm actually not suggesting that FTC lawyers and FDA lawyers and Tina uh, owners um, are those kind of parents either, but they seem to have forgot, uh, that parenting skill when it comes to entrepreneurism, because those of us involved in network marketing, we're all about the American dream, you know, and the American dream is people die for it every day. This is, um, Thursday, July 30th, 2020. And it's about 10 o'clock in the morning, Hawaii time. And I promise you since midnight last night, People have died. Today, people have died trying to get in this country. Little girls have died. Little boys have died. died. Parents have died. Single men, single women, young, old grandparents have died trying to get in this country from some border somewhere in the world. Long journey for some of them. One fence line or river for others. But they still die. And why do they want to get here? Because this is the land of opportunity. This is the land where you have an opportunity to succeed or fail. And people want that. Consumers want that. And they want it so bad that they can be taken advantage of at times. And that's where, folks, we need to learn to curb our enthusiasm and be more transparent and more honest in our marketing and to the degree that we will come together and meet in the middle with the regulatory bodies, maybe they'll learn to accept how network marketing actually works, that the way we get the most customers 
is by recruiting the most sales leaders. And sales leaders don't want to be sales leaders unless you can promise them a pretty substantial financial opportunity, which means we also sell money, income, financial freedom, wealth. Hey, you may not like it, but we do it. That's what we do. That's how we get sales leaders. And sales leaders bring us more customers. You know, 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, folks, you actually got paid. You could get paid for recruiting. And then that became illegal. And the only way we get paid today is repeat customers. The question is, how can you get the most customers? Right? And you know, I know companies that have 2 million repeat customers every month. A million repeat customers, a half a million repeat customers. I know sales leaders that have hundreds of thousands of repeat customers every month. That's a lot of customers, right? How do you do that? You do that like you going out and just getting customers or you do that by building an enormous sales team of people that get customers. So someday we're gonna meet in the middle where the regulatory bodies understand and accept what network marketing is. And the only way that's gonna happen folks is we gotta meet them in the middle, which means we gotta be a little more transparent. Let's talk about some ways you can do that very briefly. So one, let's talk about product claims. What we're famous for in network marketing is taking our own personal experience. True or not, we believe it, right? And so I guess that makes it true for us, right? True or not, we believe the product we took did some amazing thing for us. And so what we want to do, what we feel it is our right to do, is tell other people that story and infer or just blatantly make the claim that because the product did it for us, it's gonna do it for them. And we feel like we have that right. And I get that, right? Forget freedom of speech and all of that. But there are laws, actual laws, that prevent us from doing that. And if you don't like the laws, I don't know, vote for new people to change the laws. But the laws are that you take, for example, a nutritional product, you and I cannot claim, we can't even infer, we can't even have the name of our nutritional products in the same sentence or the same social media post as some disease that we want to tell people it might cure or prevent. We can't do it. It's against the law. I get you might think it's okay and you might think you have the right to do it and that's by how you get the most sales is to do it, but it's against the law. Like, you know, you might like to drive 90 miles an hour in a 55 or a 25 school zone, but it's against the law, right? So like it or not, we have to recognize that. Some things are against the law. And so if you want the regulatory bodies to respect and admire our profession, we gotta meet them in the middle, which means we gotta quit making illegal product claims. Whether you think it's true or not, doesn't matter, right? So how do you do that? You know, how do you, how do you market that? I mean, some people would look at the current FTC regulations and say, well, the only way that, that I can honestly and transparently promote my product and business is first of all, I need to sell a product that doesn't do anything. I just need to sell a crap product that does absolutely nothing because if I sell a product that does something, I can't talk about it. And don't even let me do a Facebook Live where somebody can see my car if it happens to be a nice car, 
I basically need to drive a piece of junk. Otherwise, I'm paranoid my car might be in a Facebook video. And for gosh sakes, let's hope I live in a dump because if my home is in the background of my Facebook Live and it's a really nice home, well, the FTC might think I'm inferring here I am with my really nice home, so what you can expect is a really nice home. But there are actually other ways to promote rather than having to drive a piece of junk and live in a dump and sell a crappy product. So let's focus on the product. How do you sell an awesome product and get people excited about it? Well, I just take a lesson from politics and a lesson from other marketing. How about use hyperbole? Now, hyperbole is kind of a uh, two-edged sword, right? Because one of the things that happens, folks, when we make these outlandish claims for our products, like, you know, I used to have whatever, diabetes, and I don't have diabetes anymore because I took this pill, uh, is, you know, the purpose of telling a product story is to have people believe us, right? So if you tell an unbelievable story, how is that good marketing? So how about think about telling a believable story and curing a disease with a nutritional supplement, although might be possible. Most people don't believe it. And so from a marketing standpoint, how about telling a believable story since we want people to believe the story? Does that make sense? And so then how do you tell a compelling story? Well, I, I use hyperbole, but very sparingly because hyperbole also tends to be unbelievable. And so what I teach people to do is, for example, uh, create a one minute miracle story. Your one minute miracle. What is a one minute miracle? It's you telling the story of your product in a minute or less using sparingly hyperbole and never using a disease, never talking about the therapeutic nature of your product. Speak in hyperbolous generalities. So I'll give you an example. So let's say what your product really does, according to you, is eliminate all pain. You got pain in your joints and your knees and your hips and before you started using uh, whiz-bang what's up in a bottle, well, you had all this pain and you couldn't move and you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that, right? And so what we like to say is, oh my gosh, I used to have to take 10 Advil a day and I was on pain medication and couldn't walk and I had so much pain and then I took this product and you know this nutritional product and now I don't have to take any drugs anymore and I don't have any pain. Well, the problem is pain and alleviating pain is a therapeutic drug claim. It's illegal to say it unless you're selling a uh, FDA approved drug like aspirin or Advil, right? So if you get the product that does that, how do you talk about it and not get in the way of the FDA? So you do it with generalities and hyperbole and it might sound like this. Hey, before I had this product, I really had trouble moving. Now, you know, the, the, the idea of using the phrase trouble moving is the word pain is not in the phrase trouble moving. And if you look up the disease trouble moving in whatever, wherever diseases are, 
There's no such disease as trouble moving, so it doesn't fall under the purview of the FDA or the FTC making fraudulent claims, right? You had trouble moving, right? You couldn't get out of bed in the morning. Like you couldn't do your favorite sports, your favorite activities. You couldn't jog, you couldn't run, right? You couldn't play pickleball, whatever, right? And so you're saying the same thing, you're just saying it differently and you're not going right to the therapeutic claim that's illegal. Just telling people the condition of your life, but using generalities. And then you started to use this magic pill, whatever it is, and you used it for a week or two or three, and oh my gosh, you leap out of bed in the morning and you're off running down the street to play pickleball. Guess what? Totally compliant. Why? No disease. Pure personal story. You observed it to be true. Um, you know, you want to stop short of telling people that no matter what, they're going to jump out of bed and run down the street to play pickleball. Um, but that would be telling, making a claim that you can't substantiate because your personal testimony th does not mean the product's going to do that for other people. But you can tell your personal story if you stay completely away from therapeutics and use hyperbole, right? So what is hyperbole? Well, I don't know. It's these words that kind of get people's attention, but they don't really mean anything other than sensational, right? So the name of this concept is your one minute miracle. It's your one minute story about what the product did for you. And why do I call it the one minute miracle? Because miracle is hyperbole. It's a miracle that you can jump out of bed and run down the street to play pickleball, right? So the cool thing is miracles are not diseases and they're not drugs, and they don't fall under the purview of the FDA. So you can call your story the one minute miracle. You can, it's your story, right? So here's what we need to do, folks. Anytime there's great adversity, it's an opportunity for us to get better. Jim Rohn said it best, don't wish for things to be easier, wish for us to get better. And what you're gonna get better at because of FTC, FDA oversight, is creative wordsmithing and picture painting and vision casting of what your products do that is believable and compelling such that people might want to try your product. You're going to get better. So figure out what your product story is and go to work creating your one-minute miracle. Write it out. Wordsmith it. Have people look at it. Look for the therapeutic claims, the non-compliant claims, and take them out. Use generalities, use word pictures that aren't, you know, diseases and drugs and claims like that, and use little sprinkles of hyperbole and get your one minute miracle so that it's wordsmith perfectly and then read it so that you know it's a minute and then videotape it and then keep videotaping it and reading it until you can say it powerfully and with conviction and fluidly, not reading it, but you can just speak it, right? So that's how we tell our product story. Now, how do we recruit people into the income opportunity? Well, you know, the FTC and all of their brilliance is a little bit of a moving target there. They make up the rules as they go, which makes it, one of, makes it kind of frustrating to work with them because what they said last year is okay is all of a sudden not okay this year and everybody has to adapt. So 
for years, you know, network marketers just made all kinds of claims about income. And every once in a while, the FTC or an attorney general or somebody would get after them about, hey, most people don't make that kind of money. You can't make that claim, blah, blah, blah. And so they came up with this idea of, hey, what we want all of you companies to do is create an income disclosure statement so that we can see the averages of what people actually make at different ranks and how long it took them to get to those ranks, right? So in the last four or five years, every company's done that. Every, every legitimate company that's been around long enough to create an income disclosure statement has one, except all of a sudden now, those aren't good enough. Why? Well, the Federal Trade Commission figured out that if somebody's making uh, $200,000 a month, they skew the average, right? And what the FTC is actually looking for us to show people is their new word, typical. What does the typical distributor earn? Well, what is typical? Um, I'll tell you what typical is in network marketing. Typical is, well, I'm going to try this and see if it works. I'm going to try this MLM thing. I'm going to try this money thing and see if it works. And so they call their neighbors and their friends and say, hey, I'm thinking about trying this MLM thing. <laughs> what do you think? That's a stupid idea. Oh, okay. I'm out. That's the typical distributor. The typical distributor tries to begin with. What is try? What is the concept of try? Google Yoda and the concept of try. And you'll find out what trying produces. Trying is a deadlock cinch to fall into the category of the people that fail in opportunity. And by definition, people in opportunity must fail in order to have people that succeed. The people that try fail. We all know that. Those of us that have been doing this, we, we've worked with so many people. People that try it, what is try? Try is actually not doing. So, you know, here's the uh, controller to my LED light. I put it in my hand. If you tell me, pick that controller up off my hand, I pick it up, put it back down. I said, no, no, if I wanted you to pick it up, I would have said, pick it up, try to pick it up. The instruction is try to pick it up. Okay, grab a hold of it, let me see, try it. Let me see if I can, oh, try my best. As a kid, I was trying my best. Okay, let me see, uh, trying real hard, right? Which is actually not picking it up. So what is try? Try is not. So the typical distributor network marketing does not succeed. So you want to know how to comply with the FTC today if you're talking about the income opportunity? It's real simple, folks. You just tell your prospect, you know what? The typical person that tries this opportunity fails. And you could even give them five or six different scenarios that you know of about how people do that. Uh, you know, one is they call their friends and neighbors and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And of course, the friends and neighbors don't want them to succeed in an income opportunity because then whatever they're doing in life is not going to be quite as easily to justify. So they're going to drag them down like the crabs in the bucket, right? You can't, no, crabs can't crawl out of the bucket because the other crabs will all grab them and pull them back in the bucket. So you could explain that scenario to your prospect. You could explain the scenario that, hey, um, this is an income opportunity. It's a business, right? It's a part-time thing. It's not a sometime thing. 
And so you might actually want to think about doing it for like 30 minutes a day, every day, five or six days a week. And guess what? Most people don't. Most people do it whenever they feel like it, which is sometimes, and it's not a sometime income opportunity. That's another reason typically people fail. And so if you just painted the picture for prospects of what the typical distributor does and how they fail, you can even show people the income disclosure statement, which I love to do. Here's the income disclosure statement. How much money do you want to earn? Oh, I want to earn $5,000 a month. Okay, here's the income disclosure statement. Uh, let's see, it looks to me like uh, that's about one out of 5,000 people. I'm just making that up. Everybody, every company's different. This looks to me like it's one out of 5,000 people. That's like 0.00 whatever, 5% of people that make $5,000 a month. So the question to you, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect is, uh, are you a 0.05 percenter or are you a 99.999 percenter? Which one are you? And so I just take the, the negativity of what most people might see as an income disclosure statement and flip it on its ear and ask the prospect, are you a loser or are you a winner? You decide. And when you position it that way, the negativity, if there is negativity of the income disclosure statement, goes away. But let's speak about the income disclosure statement for a second because we do have a problem, folks. That third truth. The third truth is most of the people that try to make money in network marketing fail. They give up. It's not easy. It's not easy because the public and the marketplace is not easy. Right? Go ask a hundred people like I've done as super MLM man on the street with a clipboard and a camera, go ask a hundred people, Hey, what do you think about MLM network marketing, direct selling, you know, like Amway, Herbalife, Mary Kay, those kind of companies. What do you think about those kind of companies? And the public will tell you what they think about those kind of companies. They don't like them. They don't trust them. They don't want to be one of those people. And that's why network marketing is hard is the marketplace. You know, if you go ask a hundred people, hey, how'd you like to drive a Mercedes? <laughs> what are they going to say, right? Most of them will say, awesome. right? So it's a little easier to sell Mercedes than it is network marketing. So it's, it's hard. Why is it hard? Why don't people trust us? I mean, it, we're back to full circle. People don't trust us because we make outlandish claims for products. We make illegal claims for products. We very often, because we're so optimistic and we have such a can-do attitude and we overpromise and under-deliver under that when people say they want to do this, we don't spend any time telling them about the downside. We don't tell them the truth about the percentages. We don't tell them, here's five ways people fail. And guess what? Almost everybody fails. We don't tell them that truth. You know, we historically have told people anybody can do this, and technically that's true. Anybody can do it, but hardly anybody does. We forget the hardly anybody does, right? We tell people anybody can do this. We need to add that, but hardly anybody does. That's being transparent, right? Anybody can do this. That is coachable. That is willing to invest money. That is willing to work every day at it. That is willing to move through rejection and knows anybody can do this. That's willing to recruit, you know, a hundred people and have 95 of them quit. Anybody can do it. Who's willing to do all of those things. See, we've left off the Paul Harvey's rest of the story. I know I dated myself. You got to be pretty old to know who Paul Harvey is. Um, 
And if we put in the, the rest of the story for the last 70 years, folks, people would trust us. And I'll tell you the one last thing we can do, uh, which is a mission of mine to teach people to do all throughout network marketing that can change the way the public sees our profession. And that is we can tell, quit telling people what they should do. How does it feel to you when somebody tells you, you should buy this product, you should use this product, you should quit using what you're using now and use this product. How does that feel to you? It doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't feel good to me if somebody tells me I should earn more money. It doesn't feel good to me if somebody tells me I should pursue an income opportunity. It doesn't feel good to me if somebody tells me I should live in a nicer home, drive a nicer car, take nicer vacations. It's not that I may not want to do those things. Maybe I do. Maybe they're important to me. Maybe they're not. But people don't like to be told what they should be doing. And what we've done for 70 years, because we're so excited and we're also so arrogant about what we're doing is right for other people, that we've just insisted people do it. Instead of, how about we ask them, some questions about them and their life and we actually listen to the answers and then we ask them some more questions and we listen to the answers and we have enough most of us have enough experience in this business to listen to the answers and know you know what this is person's actually a good candidate for this business or they're not and if they're not we just don't lump them in the group of anybody can do this and hey, I need to recruit somebody this month and I got to sell another kid or, and so get in anyway, right? Maybe we're just a little bit more selective based on recruiting people who actually want to be recruited, right? Quit pushing ropes and get in the coaching and inspiration business instead of the herding cats business and find the middle right? Let's all find the middle. Federal Trade Commission, Tina, find the middle. Get over it about recruiting. We recruit for a living. That's what we do in network marketing. That's how we build empires. That's actually how we get 10 to 100 times more repeat customers by recruiting sales leaders. And sales leaders only want to be recruited if they can make a lot of money. So we're also selling an income opportunity. And I'm happy to tell anybody I'm selling it to, Anybody can do it. Hardly anybody does. The odds are stacked way against you. Don't even think about it if your approach is trying. I'm happy to tell somebody that. And I need you to get happy with the way network marketing works is everyone gets to build a sales team if they want to. Everyone gets to build a sales team from day one, which creates exponential growth of the sales team. Amway is an $8 billion a year company, not because its salespeople sell the most product. They're an $8 billion a year sales company selling $8 billion worth of product because they got two or three or four million distributors around the world. That's why. And that business model, folks, is totally legal. Recruiting is not illegal. The idea that everybody can build a sales team from day one is not illegal. Geometric growth of the sales team is not illegal. Exponential growth is not illegal. Compounding is not illegal. And we're going to do it. And we're going to keep doing it. And we're happy, if we have to, to live in a dump and drive a POS 
if we have to. Because for most of us, that's not why we're doing this. We're doing this because we love helping people. We love the community. We love our products. We love the adventure. We love the challenge of doing something that hardly anybody can do. And the thrill of victory, folks, is when we help somebody else cross that bridge to a better financial future and a better personal health future. That's why most of us doing it. And we're going to keep doing it. We're going to do it in such a way that instead of being a $200 billion a year industry in 10 or 15 or 20 years, we're going to be a $200 trillion industry. Why? Because deep down, people want what we do. People want what we have. People want leading edge products that are so new and so revolutionary and so potent in many cases that they have to have a story told about them in order for somebody to buy them. They just can't sit on a shelf or on an Amazon page and jump off the page or off the shelf. They got to have a story told about them. People want products like that. People want innovation. They want new. They want mysterious. They want potent. They want alternative. People want it. So we're going to keep selling those. And people also want better lives. They want more money. They want more income. They want more security. They want more community. They want more friends. They want more relationships. They want more adventure. They want more travel. They want more experiences. That's what we sell. And we sell it because people want it. And we're happy to move towards the middle. And we need you to move towards the middle. And as the three of us, or the two of us, the two sides of us move towards the middle, what we're going to find is nirvana and exponential growth, right? Because we're going to have more integrity and more responsibility as a profession. And you as the regulators aren't going to have to spend so much time telling us what we can and can't do. And that's what I have to tell you, to tell you today in this podcast, a rant. Um, is the FTC the end of MLM? No, not even remotely. It's the beginning of hyper growth. Thanks for listening. Share this. Thank you for tuning in to The Richard Brooks Show to learn about network marketing and hearing stories of success. We found that the number one criteria for success is belief. Belief you can, belief you will, belief you are. Belief turns dreams into goals and goals into visions and visions into reality. You can help lift up your team by encouraging them to study these stories over and over again. Repetition is the mother of faith. And if your team is already studying the four-year career, you know its impact on belief and organic growth. If not, you'll want to study it right away and get it into the hands of your team. You can order it at richardbrook.com or amazon.com.